Today on the Brass on the Mind podcast, I'm having a socially distanced cuppa and a catch-up with Liv Appleton, cornet player, creator and editor of the blog It's Not a Trumpet, and someone who has openly and honestly shared her experiences of mental health, particularly her experiences with anxiety. So grab a cuppa, sit back and enjoy as we navigate through the choppy waters of mental health in brass bands with shared experiences, honest stories, thoughts and a few laughs. Okay, right, today on the Brass in the Mind podcast, I am joined by Liv Appleton. Um, now, many of you will know Liv, who are based up in the Northwest. She's based in the Northwest and currently principal cornet player of the Freckleton Band. Um, Liv has been a massive advocate for mental health in bands for quite a few years, um, like me, based on her own experiences. Uh, and I think that's the, the, best, the best place that we can all learn from is from the experiences, shared experiences of other people. So welcome, Liv. Hello. <laughs> no, it's lovely to have you here. Um, we are obviously socially distancing and doing this via, via Zoom. So we're not actually sat together, but we have both got a cuppa and we're just going to have Indeed. a chat about all things. Well, we, I don't know all things what we will find out in a bit. So Liv, to start <laughs> with, um, give, me, give me a random fact about yourself that people won't know about you. Is there anything that we um, can reveal? A random fact. Um, well, I didn't think that people didn't know this about me until like last week. And there was a post on the board's band, uh, the board bandsman that said like, what instrument did you start off on? Oh, I right. think everybody just presumed to start it off on cornet. I, I um, did cornet or yeah, being a cornet um, and flugel player. Go on. What did you start off on? Then? <laughs> I started off on percussion. Oh, right. Um, and I thought this was something that people knew. And like my friends knew, and clearly I've never spoken about it because there's a few people that said you started off on percussion. I suppose most people progress the other way; they go from the the brass instruments, and obviously they start with you know the best one on cornet, and then they work their way down and, and end up on percussion. You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I did it the other way around. Um, I mean, it was very short lived. It only lasted for a couple of months because I had the attention span of a goldfish and got very very bored. Because there's a lot of counting involved, and I'm not very good at that. <laughs> and for a musician, I have a surprise lack of rhythm which is required for percussion um, <laughs> I was a little bit rubbish um, and in my little head I was only seven and in my little head I thought that when you went on corner you automatically just had the tune and you could sit wherever you wanted I didn't know that you had to start off at the bottom and work your way up so I was a little bit disappointed when I got plonked on bottom third corner playing all the umpires and none of the tune it was a bit a bit sad it's a bit yeah. destroying, isn't it <laughs> yeah I was like, oh, I don't get the tune. All right, okay. I should have said on percussion. <laughs> you worked your way back up now and you sat back on uh, Principal Cornet again. I am. I mean, it's not something I thought I would say, um, considering what's happened in the last couple of years. But yeah, that's where I am at the moment. <laughs> so tell me about the last couple of years then, um, because you've been really honest about your own experiences of mental health um, and how they really relate to your playing. Um, um, and it's been uh, it's been quite uh, sort of an experience for you the last few years but but yeah tell tell me tell me about it um yeah so I, I call it the wobble, wobble <laughs> I like it a couple, a couple of years ago I mean it was kind of a downward spiral kind of thing um 2016 um sort of towards the back end of 2016 that was when I really, really struggled with my mental health. I've been struggling with anxiety since I was 16 and I only got it diagnosed when I was 19 because, because I was so young and I was going through so many changes. Kind of doctors, rightly so, were kind of like a bit tentative to put a label on it just in case it was like exam stress or going to college, going to uni, starting a job, whatever. 
Um, so it's only when I was 19 that a doctor actually sat me down and, and thoroughly went through everything that was going on in my life and said, yes, I think you've got general anxiety disorder. And I was like, right, okay. And that's the only time that I started, like I went on medication for it and had talking therapy and that was great. And by the end of the talking therapy, this was like summer of 2016. Yeah. Um, I thought I was doing all right. <laughs> I thought I was coping with it. Um, and then I went to uni, went to the Royal Northern College of Music. Yep. Um, and for the first couple of months I was there, absolutely loved it. And I felt like I was coping and everything was fine. It was only towards sort of maybe November time that I was really struggling with panic attacks, like all the time. Um, and I did find it hard to kind of go to lectures because it, you're lock, not locked in, but like you're closed in, into a lecture theatre. Yeah. And it was always in my head that if I have a panic attack, can I get out? Um, and it just kind of like, I, I had a panic attack one morning when we were having a big brass band like workshop thing and I couldn't go. And it, I just got really, really down over it. And that just then kind of spiralled into this thought process of I'm going to have this for the rest of my life and it's going to ruin everything. It's going to ruin everything. And I got to that kind of like Christmas time and just kind of made the decision that I probably wasn't going to go back to uni because it just clearly wasn't for me um, and that I wasn't well. In, in, there was a lot of events um, that happened sort of around Christmas 2016 that made me realise that I really wasn't very well. Um, but I carried on my banding. And at that time, sort of going to band um, during the week, band rehearsals, not, not college band, because I kind of felt I had, there was an expectation to perform. So I did get stressed out about that. Whereas my normal band, I was all right. And it never seemed to infiltrate that. And it was kind of like my escape from it. Um, and it stayed that way a long time, long after I left uni. It's it stayed that way up until the summer of 2017, and I noticed that it was starting to filter in. And it was really hard because I just kind of felt like I don't know. <laughs> I just kind of felt that I couldn't do anything about it, and I tried so many things to stop it from bothering my playing and affecting my playing. And I just felt like I was I was losing this battle against it and I couldn't stop it and it was getting to the point where I wasn't enjoying performing anymore which for me never had that and like performance anxiety I've always been like a bit nervous before I played because yeah. it wasn't um but I've never had performance anxiety I've never had sort of physical sh symptoms before going on stage like shaking or panicking or heart palpitations and I was getting them all the time I was getting them before I went to rehearsal um I was constantly clock watching in rehearsal not because like I wasn't enjoying my banding. It was making me not enjoy my banding, if that makes sense. I yeah, was just getting yeah. so nervy all yeah. the time. Um, and even like in personal practice, it got to the point where like I was, wasn't picking my instrument up at home because I was getting so panicky that everything I was doing was pants. <laughs> Basically, every time I picked up my instrument, it was yeah, like... So critical of yourself, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, also you're trying to snap yourself out of it because you, you're, you're kind of, it's like you're watching yourself from the outside. You're aware that it's not not right or rational but yeah. you're living from the inside and you can't escape it absolutely and the thing is you know that it's you and you know that technically you're in charge of yourself but you're not <laughs> it's that lack of control that this is your head and your brain but it's working against you and it's that sort of confusion of I should be in control of this yeah. and like to the point where you can't even pick up your own instrument forget the audience or other band members you can't pick your own instrument up in your own house because you're giving yourself performance anxiety because you know that you're going to get so angry at yourself if you make a mistake it was just nuts but I couldn't get out of it it was almost like a habit that I couldn't get out of it was like a, not an addiction as such but it was like I was so used to being so hard on myself yeah. that I couldn't get out of that um so it, it, it got to the point 
it was it was two weeks before quite a big competition with with the band I was in, and I couldn't play really. I just genuinely couldn't play. I was barely playing anything in rehearsals. I was miming more than I was playing just because I was so panicky that I was pants and that I was going to get sacked not that the band were probably going to sack me I very much doubt that they were but in my head it was like I'm one step away from like having to leave this band and obviously I wasn't practicing so like my playing ability was getting worse because I wasn't practicing it was just kind of a vicious circle two weeks before this competition I just made the decision that like I'm no use to this band I'm no use it's not fair for me when they could potentially get a dep in that is going what is going to be better because they've not got the issues that I've got so I made the decision. It was like, it was awful. I, I sent an email to our band manager because I just wanted to put everything in words because I felt if I phoned them that I don't know either I'd get talked into doing it or I wouldn't explain myself properly and they think that I was being lazy and just didn't want to play. Yeah. So I just kind of like put it all in an email and sent it off. I remember like just crying to mum afterwards that like I just felt like this was it, like my banding was done, something that yeah. I'd done since I was tiny. Um... So I kind of went through a little bit of a crisis with that because I got it into my head that that was it. I was never going to be able to go back. It's really um, cool when it's when it's been a massive part of your life since you were a little kid. And, uh, you know, I was the same of you to suddenly to suddenly lose that or feel you have to give it up. That becomes mm. an even heavier weight on you as well. And then yeah. really hard because that had been, you know, so many people say, you know, music's really good for your well-being. Going to band is. And it, it is for so many people then for some people it's really destructive at the same time and it's like this parallel thing going on where you need that but you know you can't have it because it's making you worse and it's it's really hard to kind of come to terms with that in your own head isn't it absolutely and especially because it's not like I was having to stop because I was physically ill and trying to explain to people that it's my head that's stopping me from doing it because I think again like um those who don't have it not that I'm saying that they're ignorant to it, but they just, they, they, it's hard to understand someone when someone says to you, I can't play because I'm, I'm getting nervous all the time or my head, like my anxiety is really, really bad. For some people, like, they might just say, like, well, just get on with it because they never had it. They don't understand that you can't just get on with it. It is what it is. Like, if your head decides it doesn't want to work today, yeah. it doesn't work. And there's, like, still now, there's still the odd band rehearsal that I go to. And I don't play particularly well. I mean, I laugh it off, whereas in days gone by, I most certainly did not laugh it off. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, <laughs> nowadays, it's just kind of like, right, you've had a bad rehearsal, get on with it, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and, and you can practice all week long, and that band rehearsal, just because your head isn't in it, for whatever reason, it is what it is. Um, but I try not to be too hard on myself. But yeah, it, it, it was because it wasn't a physical thing that was stopping me from playing, it was a mental thing yeah. that I found it hard to come to terms with. And because it's not like something you can just get over, like say, for example, if I broken my wrist and I couldn't play for however long it took for that broken wrist to heal, I could probably get my head around it. Or I've had some kind of physical condition that stopped me from playing. I would still be upset. But from everybody else's point of view, there's nothing I can physically do about it. Whereas when you say you've stopped from mental health problems, it's harder to explain and it's harder to get your head around it yourself as well. Yeah. And, and if it is a, a physical thing, you know, let's take your, your broken wrist, scenario there you would do the required therapy as such physical therapy physio whatever it is to get yourself back into that condition but Mm -hmm. it's it's so much harder to know what and how to do things when it is something in your mind which is actually just as physical as breaking a bone it's you know it it, absolutely is but how did how did you go about then the kind of process of fixing yourself to get yourself back to where you are now um it was a long slog <laughs> and it's a continuous thing as well isn't it it's, it is you're constantly keeping on top of it like 
yeah. all the time. It can be yeah. a little bit exhausting and frustrating. Sometimes you wish like, why wouldn't my brain just work? <laughs> yeah. like, why can't I just get a new brain or can put new batteries in it to just make it work? Yeah. Um, so I, I took some time off where I literally did no playing whatsoever. So from September until December, I didn't lift an instrument up. I didn't go to rehearsal. I didn't do anything. Um, and I kind of made the promise to myself that if I, if I do miss it enough, I'll go back to it. If my mental health improves through not being in it, then maybe it was part of the problem because it, from yeah. my point of view, it's one of the only things in my life that's been constant. Um, like it's the only hobby that I ever stayed with. I, I gave up everything else, but band and the music has always been the thing yeah. I stayed with. So I was like, maybe it's contributing, maybe the constant stress of performing or playing in a high section band or whatever is having an, an effect on my brain, maybe. Um, so I said, like, if, if, if I miss it, I'll go back. So then in the December, one of my friends, uh, Matt Shaw, who's my conductor now again, uh, was conducting a band called Goulburn, and he had a Christmas concert, and he managed to persuade me to come in debt. But it was kind of like, do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? I was terrified that I was going to have the same issues again. And to be quite honest, I didn't want to do it because of everything that had happened before. But I was like, no, maybe, you know, I've had nearly three months off. Let's go and have a look and see what happens. So I went and played and I really enjoyed it. Maybe it's because it wasn't my band or I wasn't on a solo seat or there was no, like, any, there was no pressure. Like, even Matt said when he asked me to do it, like, there's no pressure whatsoever. But that's why I enjoyed it, because I just came in with a different mindset. So that kind of sort of got the ball rolling again. Um... So then I carried on in the in the new year. I still took a bit of time off. I think the last the next time I debt was sort of like March April time for the same yeah. band, um, and I just carried on doing that. I just debt for bands for quite a few months. Well, for that entire year, for the whole year of 2017, I basically just debt. Uh, 20, yeah, 2017, 2018. What year were we on? Yeah, 2017 and 2018. I basically just debt around for people. Yeah. But in that um, process, were you kind of finding your love for the music again and your love for bands and, and the kind of safety net of knowing what's okay and what's not for you? Yeah. Um, like, basically, if I wasn't very well, I wouldn't go to the rehearsal because I didn't have to because it wasn't my band. It was literally just, yeah, it was 2018, it was the year of 2018. I basically just spent that year just going to rehearsals when I felt I wanted to or when I felt well enough. Um, I got involved in competitions when I felt I could, if I felt I could do it. Um, and it was just slowly building the confidence and like I'm very very lucky that like the band that I played for was conducted by a friend that obviously knew exactly who I was what I was like the way that my head works and all the, the crap that I'd gone through beforehand yes. so I was incredibly understanding and like there was there literally was no pressure which again made it easier to want to come to band because there was yeah. just no expectation there so I did that um pretty much the entire 2018 and it's only when we got to November of 2018 that I then decked with my old band Eccles. Yeah. Um, at a Remembrance Day gig. And I don't know whether it was like the amalgamation of I've watched 12 months of banding go on without me. I'd seen the selfies, I'd seen the pictures. Um, I'd also been enjoying it in a non-pressure role, <laughs> if yeah. you like. Um, and I just kind of like started falling in love with banding again. Um, and I think it's because I'd taken some time out to actually look at my head and look at my, my own behaviour. Because those first few rehearsals were good when I was looking towards a contest with them were hard because I still had that mental attitude of having to go at myself all the time. And it's only when I got to a few rehearsals, well, after a few rehearsals that I sort of like sat down with myself, if you like, and was just like, you've been out of the game for a long time. Even though I only left full-time banding in the September, like the year before, mentally I'd not been in the game. I'd not been practising. I'd not been playing properly yeah. for around a year. 
um like stop being so hard on yourself the fact that you step back into banding all right on a temporary basis is a big deal and if you're not playing quite as well as you used to there's reasons for that like i could justify it yeah so it's like stop being so hard on yourself and just see what happens so like it took a while to kind of it's it's taken a long time to not get out of me i was still doing it sort of and i think when that's part of you you always will you just have to learn to manage it they say don't you when they um when they send to you about ways that you can help your mind and help your mind recover from things that there's two things you can do and one is having a word with yourself and the other thing is taking action so it's all very well having a word with yourself but you've got to follow that up with with the action so you can say yeah actually that's not going to be right because i've had a year out playing or in my in my case you know 10 years out playing but this is what i'm going to do about it and this is my plan and i think that's often where people fall foul they can they can see an issue and they can beat themselves up about it, but they don't necessarily take the action going forwards. And then they think when things, because our mental health is on this continuum, one day you can feel fine and one day you can feel rubbish or even one minute great and one minute rubbish, you know, they think because they're feeling good, well, that's it, I'm fixed. And then it happens again. They're like, well, why has it happened again? And it's because they're taking that continuous action. And it is, it's daily, it's constant. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all the reading, it's the sharing, the speaking and all the rest of it. And obviously I think, um, tell me if I'm wrong in saying this, but a big part for you um, in kind of your daily um, getting through things, a big part of it has been the blog that you've been doing. So your blog is, it's not a trumpet and you've been really honest about your experiences and sharing them with people there and very much shared the highs and the lows of it. Um, Has that sharing aspect been kind of part of your ongoing recovery and dealing with things? yeah it's been kind of like a diary almost like a bit of a journal which I've always been rubbish at keeping one of the first things that was uh first piece of advice that was given to me when I had counseling for my anxiety was keep a diary and I was rubbish at it you know what I found that as well and and I love it and I write all the time and journaling is fantastic but I find when people say do it every day the pressure from that alone is like oh my god can't do it so I have uh, I do it but I don't do it every day I've no. I've taken that pressure off myself I do it when I feel like and I also have two I have one that's for all the good stuff and then I have one that's for all the really crap thoughts so they can just go out there and I don't <laughs> have to see them you know that's such a good idea but yeah but that pressure of someone saying you have to do it daily I'm like no I can't no no yeah and it was so structured as well like you need to write about this and you need to write about this and how this makes you feel and I'm like no yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that so the blog was a little bit more freedom to do it on your terms I guess then absolutely and it's like I was still talking about banding even though I was talking a lot about myself I think writing a diary for me I don't like writing necessarily about myself I feel like I'm whining do you know what I mean like oh dear diary this happened today and it was awful I hate it I just feel like I'm moaning whereas when I was writing on the blog I was able to write honestly about what I was going through but it was within the context of banding so it's not really about me it's it's I'm talking about band with a little bit of me in there and kind of the first post, I'm really, really glad that I've kind of picked up the pen like in 2018 and I wrote this great big long blog post. I've not been on the blog for ages. I just kind of let it die a death with everything else that was band related. Um, but then I went back on it in 2018. I think it was around this time, about March, April time in 2018. And I wrote this like magnum opus of everything <laughs> basically that had happened um, and how it, how it had made me feel. And, the kind like, of British open test piece of blogs. Basically, yeah. <laughs> It was like a three movement saga of everything that had happened in like the last 12 to 18 months um, and how it had made me feel and what had happened and um, I put it out there and I wasn't really expecting a hell of a lot because I didn't have the Facebook page or anything, I wasn't really marketing the blog, like I just used to put it on my own personal Facebook and whoever read it, read it. Well this post just went everywhere. (laughs) 
and like I got so many emails and like the inbox blew up of like I've gone through exactly the same thing like I was in banding for 20 odd years and then I came back to it like I, yeah. I took a time out for it for, for four years and then came back or someone had said they went to uni and like did a music degree and then hung their instrument up and didn't come back to it for like 15 years or something ridiculous and they're like I completely understand like where you were coming from I was like oh my god I'm not weird there's loads of other people as well great this, this, this <laughs> is what I found the moment I started talking about this idea of how mental uh, health affects us and my experiences related with bands as soon as I started speaking about it the messages I would get from people was astounding I mean literally hundreds of musicians saying it's the reason I don't play in bands anymore I couldn't deal with the pressure and whether that was anything from performance anxiety to uh issues they had with conductors which seems to be a, a big issue those kind of relationships and power yeah. power play there um mm -hmm. to you know external issues with families or finances or work and people don't know how to manage that so the easiest thing was to do to give up the thing that they love and mm -hmm. i just found it astounding the amount of people that still now tell me and they'll and, and i find it interesting they'll never comment or like on things publicly but the private messages that you get from people saying thank you because yeah that's that's me and I just can't believe how many players we've hemorrhaged from the movement to mental health mm -hmm. I think it's just astounding and I don't think people are aware of that they would just say someone's retired and, and take it at that level they've given yeah. up being, that's it they've, they've had enough but, but no one's asking why or what no. can we do to make it easier and you saying when you went back to sort of depping in a band and you had a conductor there who knew you and supportive and mm -hmm. when i you know go to bands sort of say to them you can put support structures in place for people to take the pressure off so if they can't do twice a week or they need to miss something let them don't sit there and then bitch about it that they're letting the band down Absolutely. they're not you know no. we can do these things to accommodate this for people but yet we kind of don't in bands and i think that's a bit of a shame and i think that's what we need to get our heads around as a movement that we can be a lot more supportive this is a thing this is an issue everybody has mental health so let's support it a bit better 100 percent. but like you the amount of messages you get from people and, and it resonates with is is just astounding and i found it um you know i said we're socially distancing at the minute and doing this via zoom because of old covid19 but um but the, I found it so much easier to write as well the last few weeks and yeah. about loads of things and have loads of messages from people, which is just fantastic. And I love it every time someone says, thank you, you know, that's really helped you because you only do it. You don't do it for yourself. You do it because you empathize with what people are going through and to help that one person. So if you get that message from that one person, it's great. But in the last week or so, I must have had about, over 300 messages from people saying thank you but then there's a message one message you'll get from someone saying i don't get it are you sure you should be writing about this and that's the one that sticks with you that's the absolutely one that it's you. always the negative I, one i've <laughs> got to stop doing this i shouldn't write this and you then start to kind of second guess yourself and, and about everything you put out on social media or you do even though you know it's helping that one person that negative response from one person who is basically a skeptic or they live with a skeptic. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, have you found that as well, that that's, you know, hard yeah. to deal with that? Yeah. It, it's hard because like, obviously what really, really annoys me is that social media is great. I love it. And it's, it's such a great way to get any kind of message that you want or story or whatever to get it out to as many people as possible. Yeah. It's fabulous. 
But the thing with social media is the fact that it is so instantaneous is that you do have people, especially in the banding world, I think there's a lot of, quite a big sense of entitlement, I think, with, yeah. with the banding movement on social media. Like, there's been a few times I've seen posts go on forums and stuff on, on Facebook and people have been, like, there's so many people that have, that have come on with such negative attitudes and such horrible responses because it's so easy. lovers, aren't they? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And I've had my fair share when I've, I've posted an article that maybe has a controversial opinion of banding or, you know, it, it doesn't agree with, with the majority opinion of banding and you do get the odd one that comes on and says, oh, this is rubbish or enter whatever expletive you want there yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't even get past the first paragraph because this is utter rubbish da, 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 da. and like the thing is the first time that it happened I have a very short temper and the first time that it happened I replied to it and the thing is that's what we want yeah whereas you should just be focusing on it's so like you say you focus on the negative one whereas I've been having like say 20 nice comments yeah on one really horrible comment yeah. but the best thing the to one. do it's that one, it's that one, even though you've got so many people going, this was really good and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it really it's helped that one me. that went, this is pants, that you go, oh, it must be then, oh my days, why am I doing this? It must be so rubbish if that one person thought it was crap. I know, <laughs> so you get loads of people saying, oh, that really helped me, thank you, or the one that said, you might want to be careful about what you're posting, you know, you might be drawing attention to yourself. Well, no, it's not to myself, it's drawing attention no. to an issue which affects all of us, so... Yeah, if that's how you're responding, that's probably more of a reflection on you and your judgment yeah. and your opinions, you know. Precisely. I think it's a, the biggest sign of insecurity. I think a lot of the time, the people that are posting the, the, the negative stuff, I think themselves are kind of like closet mental health people, if you like. They know that there's some not quite right upstairs, but they don't want to address it. Yeah. So oh, rather yeah. than addressing the problem upstairs, they'll just attack the person that's pointed this out to them. It's like you've thrown it in the face that people have mental health problems and it's absolutely fine, but they themselves don't think it's absolutely fine. And it's, it's them sort of realising this. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not coping with it very well. And it's so much easier to have a go at the person that's trying to help you absolutely. than have a go at yourself and sort it out. And with obviously like how easy it is to become a keyboard warrior like you can Absolutely. just put your thoughts then out it's there it's a negative effect doesn't it because that person's trying to draw attention to helping and putting good support mechanisms for good mental mm -hmm. health in place and yet that one person attacking them and attacking their mental health which could make them spiral you know because actually Absolutely. they're coming out of this and doing this because of their own experiences of it and the first mm -hmm. thing wants to do is send them down that you know that anxiety spiral <laughs> it's like yeah you can't see what you're doing but i have to say having gone around quite a few band rooms now and spoken to a lot of people and, and getting into doing lots of chats with people um I really like the discussions with the skeptics I love walking yeah. into a band room or walking into a conversation for someone who doesn't understand it and but they're honest about that and they'll say it's not for me I don't have any issues and you'll start a conversation and that's what it's all about for me it's starting the conversation Absolutely. by the end of the conversation they'll go oh yeah I've had that <laughs> or I know someone that's had that and it's like yes and they almost have this eureka moment if it's oh we're all the same we all have mental health yes we do thank you <laughs> they got it another one converted yeah I, yeah I really like the discussions with the skeptics um and i and i think as you say there's a lot of people that don't understand it because they've they've I, i'm not even going to say that they haven't had an experience with it i'm going to say they're 
eyes aren't open to the people around them that are having experiences of it. I think a lot yeah. of people are very closed, very habitual and very safe in their small bubble. And I think that happens a lot in bands, especially bands where you've got people that have been there for an awfully long time. This is how we do things. You know, yeah. only certain people fit into our clique. And I think that's, that's where a lot of issues come from. A lot of negativity comes from there. It's, and it is just a lack of understanding. It is. And I think it's also a lack of wanting to understand, I think, in some circumstances. Like Brass Banding, it's incredibly British. It's such a British institution. And I think it definitely still has that stiff upper lip, get on with it. No matter what's going on in life, it's band that matters. It's music that matters. Um, And it's like, well, no, actually, the only way that you're going to get music to matter is those 20-odd people around the stand being healthy. Like, you're only as good as the players that are around your stand. If the players around your stand are struggling whether it is they don't feel they can speak to you or they don't feel they can speak to each other or they're going through personal issues. I mean, I think after this lockdown, bands are seriously going to have to address mental health, as I, I think, because yep. it, being stuck in the house, I mean, everybody's got different situations and being stuck in a house, it does a lot to your head. It yeah. certainly has to mine. And I know that I'm going to come out of this lockdown potentially slightly different than I was when I came into it. Mm. And I think that's going to be the same for a lot of people sitting around those stands when we go back to band rooms. And I think that, bands as a whole um especially conductors i think because i see them as sort of the helm Absolutely. you know the, yeah. at the front of the ship and they should be the one start in the conversation and i've said this for a while that i think there's there's the way that band bands work and the way that they should work in my mind and i think a lot of the time bands kind of work as a group of people with a conductor that comes in and goes out now they just see it as a job like they basically come in do the job and go home and that's it and every person in that st- in, in that band is, is an individual. And I think sometimes they don't work as a team. Now, I'm very fortunate that the band that I play for, obviously one of my best mates is the conductor and knows what I'm like. And I feel that if ever I've got an issue, I can go to him, I can speak to him. But I don't, I'm presuming the rest of the band do. I'd like to think that the rest of the band would as well. And we work quite well in that aspect. But I think that it should work like, you're not like a team in an office. So you've got like your head honcho at the top. So we'll say that's the conductor. Yeah. And then you've got sort of your little managers that manage little departments. So that's yeah. your section leaders. And I think bands should work that section leaders look over their section. If there's ever an issue that their section feels comfortable coming to them going, look, and I'm really struggling yeah. uh, with X, Y, and Z. Um, and the band as a whole, whether it's a section leader or, or any other player in the band, can go to the conductor and go, look, I've got an issue. And the band understands. And that's the main issue. I think there is a very bitchy attitude not with all bands that's awful I'm not suggesting and, and tarring every every band with the same brush but I've certainly found that there's, there's definitely a bitchy aspect to banding yeah and it's much easier to take the mickey out of someone for going through something than it is to address or help that person yeah um, a, I think that kind of mickey taking that humor though it comes from a, almost a defense mechanism in people doesn't it a denial yeah. as well definitely but I, mm-hmm. I totally agree with conductors I think they have a massive role to play in this you know their their role isn't just to stand there and conduct music you know it's everything they've got to be a champion a cheerleader a confidant a coach everything and but yeah. most of all as you say they've got to be aware of the people around them and that they are people and that they are individuals and they've yeah be um open to doing what's right by all of those individuals um you know i've kind of made the suggestion that as as goes mental health you know i i think you know i'm a mental health first aid trainer and their ambition is to have one in ten people trained as a health uh, mental health first aider which means essentially we should really have two to three in every band room 
But I think at the very least, we should have someone who is a, a mental health lead in every bedroom who's got some kind of awareness training. And it doesn't have to be full first aid training, but some kind of awareness training or is a point of contact for supporting people. And I absolutely honestly believe that will away, be a way to keep more players in our bands and keep our bands and movement buoyant as a whole. Definitely. Um, I mean, we're not getting, I mean, we constantly point out that we're losing players all the time and we're not having the numbers that we that we used to have and it, it is hard yeah, um, to get people absolutely um but we need to sit down and actually address that this isn't it's not just that we're not getting enough young people in we're not actually keeping people in yeah. of any age yeah and exactly. it, it's a it's a massive issue and i think it's I, i've been fr- i am friends with people that have left because like you say it's easier sometimes yeah. to not be part of a band than it is to be part of a band yeah. and I think sometimes I'm doing, I'm doing an article at the moment called um, Brass Bands is it a sport or a music or, or a, you know musical art form because I think sometimes bands are so focused on league tables and where they're coming in the competitions and what players can we have around the stand that will help us get to that um you know to that trophy or to that standing in in the league table or whatever rather than looking around the stand and going these are 20 odd people that are giving a minimum of four hours a week, more if you've got concerts at the weekends or more if you've got a contest at the weekend because we're there all week. They have families, they have mental health problems, they have money problems maybe, they've had grief in the family, they've had issues, whatever, they've got work problems. Sometimes bands as a whole and conductors don't look at any of this because they are so focused on where that, what that band can do and what that band can achieve. And if they can pull another person in and get rid of the person because it's easier to pull in a person that's that's fine in inverted commas um and, and can commit and isn't having any issues and either demote or get rid of a person because they're they're not giving the commitment that is necessary uh to get to get this trophy i think some bands will do it and it really does my head in it's like i think sometimes we forget that this is a hobby yeah something that we're doing for fun where yeah. we as people are willingly giving up our time and of course we take it seriously, of course we want the band to do well. And I fell into that category not that long ago where I was so focused on the band doing well and me being part of that band doing well that I didn't look at my own problems. I expected myself to do more than maybe I was necessarily capable of at the time. And maybe if I wasn't like that, I might not have had the wobble. I probably wouldn't have had the wobble because I wasn't being so hard on myself. Yeah. But I think some bands make you that way, that you yeah. are so focused. And I'm not saying that bands should be less ambitious. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that bands need to remember that this is a musical art form not just a sport and that yes trophies are great and standings are great and moving up in the league tables are fab but it's not the be all and end all music is the be all and end all in all of this and that you can only provide best performance when your band is working to the best of its ability and pushing it beyond its limits and not caring about those players will a either make them leave so you've got a, a, a vacancy then that you need to fill which in this day and age is not easy to do unless you're a big name and even they're struggling sometimes at yeah this absolutely point in time um or you've got a band that isn't playing to its full potential not because the you know you've not got the players or you've not got the capability because they're so tired or they don't necessarily want to work well for the conductor because they don't feel appreciated or they're not turning up to rehearsals because bands will get better when players want to sit around the stands and if players are not enjoying band rehearsals they won't sit around the stand because we're not being paid we don't need to be there yeah. if they enjoy rehearsals they'll be there and i think bands will benefit more from 
taking charge of their band's mental well-being and looking after their players because they will want to stay then they will want to come to rehearsals which then means they will become better players because they're around the stand every week i mean how many bands can say that they are missing so many players a week because they would rather go to something else or do something else because it makes them feel less stressed yeah. than going to band absolutely i mean interestingly some of the first bands that i went to visit doing kind of uh, my bat on the mind in the band room project and the first bands that latched onto it that i went to visit every single band had more than 28 players in the band room and it's because they were open to it and they were all so open to having conversations they were so open to looking after each other and the atmosphere in these band rooms is brilliant but yeah all you hear is the stories of bands struggling not enough players it's like well actually you need to really learn from these bands that are treating their bands as a collection of individuals they're treating yeah. them as people not mm-hmm. just a, a name and a history and a and an anything else and a means to to get somewhere else you know what the league tables and and i agree this lockdown i think it when it comes out to it i think bands need to really address and reassess and look at the mental health aspect and i think it's coming to light with some bands there so you know they've set up kind of quiz nights and stuff that they're doing over zoom or whatever during this time and they're connecting as people not just as people sat around the stand and i think those are the bands that are going to come out of this the best and the strongest absolutely Um, bands that aren't doing that they they will struggle because they haven't got that human connection they're not looking out for each other as individuals and that's all people want is a sense of uh, belonging and a sense of being loved as humans that's what we crave isn't it you know absolutely being loved being a part of something and so if we feel that we are then you know we're going to give our commitment to these to our bands aren't we definitely that's the great thing about banding that's the one thing that i've always said i love about banding is that in, in most of the bands that I've played for, the camaraderie is, is fab. Yeah. And you have another support network there and you've got friends that have got your back and you want to come to band to see those people. Like, there's been times where I've had offers from other bands and I've not left because I've enjoyed being with that band. Yeah. Um, one of the hardest things last year, I left Eccles to go to Freckleton. Yeah. Um, and I, I love them both. They're both fabulous. But it was really hard because I've got such a deep connection with Eccles and, and the people that are there. Yeah. Um, but I really wanted the challenge of the seat because like you say, mental health is a constant. Yeah. And I don't know when it's going to go again. And if God forbid that happens again, I might look back and go, I should have taken that opportunity whilst it was there while, while I was well enough to do it. I mean, I don't know where I'm going to be in the next few months. I might have to have a, another break again. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Cross that bridge when you get to it, don't you? But absolutely but I, I did you know it, it was hard to leave because I absolutely adore the people I adore the people of Freckleton but I also adore the people with Eccles and it's like if I could just push them both together and just have yeah. both the things that I want it would be great yeah. um and and the teamwork and the bonding like I, I said to uh, my mum I went to Butlins at the beginning of this year and you stood at the bar and off the conversations about banding that's going on around this bar I was thinking if I wasn't a bander I wouldn't have a clue what any yeah. of these people are going about go out of it <laughs> it's, it's such a culture within itself it is like we call it the band world because it is it's such a different universe and I like that fact that it's almost like I mean we say we want it to go to the masses we want it to become more popular part of me is kind of like no I don't actually I quite like the fact that it's like this little club that we all know what we mean yeah Um, and I love that about it Um, I find it I found as well that it is the most massively supportive network of people but that is so selective so mm-hmm. when Simon died in 2018, the support from bands people around the world, people that I hadn't seen for years, people that I didn't even know that he knew, the support was overwhelming and massive and brilliant. But yet 10 years before that, when I'd had a breakdown, I'd had to leave bands because of bands, because of the people in it. 
no one knows no one cares no one messages you no one says you know are you all right or was i a contribution to that or how can i help nothing so it's really selective if someone dies everyone's there but if it's you know you've got to take time out because there's something in your head no one wants to know i think part of it is is it's kind of a double-edged sword i think mental health because i think from one side of the coin people know how to react if somebody loses someone Mm. or something bad happens to a person like that people know how to react because it's, it's something that happens all the time and it's it's physical in a sense, do you know what I mean? Like an event that they can see that has happened. Whereas with mental health, it's sort of the person that has it might not feel comfortable talking about it. Um, so there's that kind of thing. So people is like, when I dropped out of bands, uh, when I dropped out of my band, I think a lot of people, because I didn't say what was going on, I think a lot of people just thought I'd left them in the mire. Yeah. And just was like, I didn't care. And that wasn't that I very much cared. <laughs> that wasn't the cared case. too much. That's why you were there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then I think there's a fear of how to approach those that did know that I had it. Um, I think there is a fear of what to say because you don't want to say the wrong thing. And yeah. even though I've suffered with it, like when someone has come to me and said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. You're so careful with what you're saying. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, but you're so careful not to say the wrong thing or not to give the wrong advice. Yeah. Or you just, sometimes I think we don't know what to say. And that's why these conversations are so important so we can get used to doing it all the time. I mean, the reality is sometimes there isn't a right or wrong thing to say. You just have mm-hmm. to say something. And just, yeah. and it can be something completely unrelated. You don't even have to say anything about mental health. It is just that process of starting a conversation. And for me, that's just the important message to get over. Let's start talking about this. So it's, it's normalized. So people are aware. So people don't feel out of their depth talking about it or talking to people that might be in crisis. You know, we can legitimately save a lot of lives and we can certainly... Absolutely save the amount of people leaving our bands if we just start these conversations i mean for you if there's one thing that you could do or change in banding what would it be attitude plain and simple in in different ways um i think the attitude of banders that have mental health problems to take that step i know it's so hard and i wish that i'd been more honest and just said I am really struggling and not just said it's the one person that I sent that email to like actually come out and said when I was struggling look I'm not performing at my best right now not because I don't care but because I'm really really struggling and see what they said that was one main failure that I don't want anybody else to do because that might have stopped me from quitting um I think the attitudes of other bands people and conductors need to change um I don't like I'm not saying don't get rid of the bantering aspect of banding and like you know that's important isn't it you know we all have that humor and banter we need it yeah absolutely that's the culture of it but just be mindful of what you're saying I've I've been in conversations in pubs and stuff where the mickey taken I I feel has gone a little bit too far and although the person who's taken it might smile and laugh at you you don't know what they're taking away from it and you don't know what they're going home to and and how their head works so just be a bit careful um and also one thing that I have noticed um this this year more than anything is um brass band commentary it's it's become a bit of a bone of contention i think for a few people and before i go into what i'm going to say about it i I do respect people who do it i think it's a thankless job and i think it's hard Mm. um and there's a reason that like we've got a shortage of people doing it because it's it's a difficult job i don't think i'd be able to do it yeah but using this area as an example of the regionals this year we had three commentators at the area which I thought was amazing I can't remember the last time we had three commentators yeah at a, at a brass band contest 
um, two out of the three were constructive and one was negative. And I think the banding world needs to know the difference, both in band rooms and in brass band commentary, the difference between constructive and negative. I think they're talking about bands as a noun, as a thing. And like, this band was didn't do this and this band didn't do that. You're talking about 28 people. Yeah. Who you don't know, like, I'm not expecting them to know what it, t- what it took for me to get up on that stage as Principal Cornet. Everybody who knows me knows the wobbles I had in order to get yeah. to the area this year. Yeah. And all the doubts that I had and, like, nearly was like, oh, I can't do it. And that's the end of it. I'm not expecting any commentators to know that. I'm expecting them to treat the people that are on stage as humans. And two out of the three commentators this year did that. I am not saying either to blow smoke up to people's backsides. If it was, there's bad things going on in the performance, pick up on them because bands need to improve. But it's about the language we use and how we use it. I'm saying that a, a performance, like I don't think you should ever call a performance poor because... In my mind, that is still a band that has given up so many hours. I mean, how many hours does it take to put a contest performance together? Oh. There's still a band full of people that will probably be disappointed in that performance. A band knows when they've not played as well as they should have yeah. done. But what I really admired about the other two commentators compared to the negative one is that they put in the constructive stuff of what we needed to do to be better. And I like that. I love constructive criticism because I can work on it. That's fine. But also made the point of pointing out, no matter how small, the things that went well. Like in every single comment commentary that they gave about every single performance, there was always a positive, even if it was the smallest of positives yeah, yeah. amongst them. You find it, you find the positive in it. Yeah, whereas the other one, that for me is constructive. Whereas the negative one, in and it wasn't just ours as well, in most of the comments that was made during our section was negative. And then because there was a bit of a backlash and people turning around going, You were rude instead of sitting back and going all right maybe the language we used was a bit wrong or maybe took should have taken inspiration from the other two commentators about how they had written their pieces Mm. they would rather have a go back and say well I'm not going to say that it's a good performance if it wasn't one I'm like we're not saying that we're saying be constructive I think they thought by being negative that's seen as constructive criticism constructive criticism is how to get better not just bashing a performance absolutely yeah and I'm lucky that I, I, I witnessed that this year when my head is looking a lot better than it is and I looked at that review and that was the first one I clicked on and I was like oh because I came off stage thinking that wasn't that bad actually we did quite well yeah. so then read that review and gone oh my god what have I been listening to and I've been on stage was it really that bad if I've been 12 18 months ago you probably oh never my god. played again you wouldn't step foot on that stage again no no yeah. I'd have had a complete enough to melt I wouldn't have been sat in the pub with my mates having a laugh I'd have had a complete abrupter meltdown yeah. about it that I was part of that and maybe it was my fault and I should never I mean I, I got talked um into playing the seat I wanted to sit on the seat that I am sat on but there was a massive doubt there and I basically when I got offered the seat said like I'll come and do a trial even though it was my best mate is conducting the yeah. band I was like yeah I'll come and do a trial if you don't think I'm good enough will you please tell me because it was besides something time I don't think I am and <laughs> yeah. um, so it was a big thing for me to sit on that seat the area this year was like anybody that knows me knows that it was a massive deal for me because it was a test of have I actually got better yeah um because sitting on the end as well for you as well couldn't it you know yeah it it could have been very very easy if if, if there wasn't the other two commentators I'm so thankful that there was two other commentators that day because that would have played on my mind a lot more um whereas the other two commentators picked on some of the negative stuff that the negative reviewer picked up on but also had said like good principal corner this was good that was good good musicality it was kind of like right we're not that bad then I'm not done too bad a job okay then fine (laughs) just goes to show that whether you're a player a conductor a band manager um just an audience member a judge a critic whatever you are 
we all have a role to play in this and we all have a responsibility to use the right language and yeah. to use that language wisely and to be mindful of what we're saying and how we're approaching people. And as you say, that doesn't mean taking the banter or the fun or the negativity out of it, but it's about making it balanced. And I yeah. think only when we start having those conversations and we start applying that action, will we be able to see a massive difference and I Absolutely. hope I hope that starts coming about. And as you say, maybe lockdown will be the time when, you know, when bands get back into their band rooms, they'll start, you know, taking this aspect of mental well-being and mental health of their players, really making it a priority in the band room over and above everything else, because that and the music really are, as you say, the only things that matter, aren't they? Absolutely. 110%. Like it's the people and the music. That's what banding is. It's people who play music. If you don't look after the people, that music isn't going to be very good, is it? Yeah, exactly. Well, on that note, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Liv. That's amazing. No problem. Thank you for having me. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you to Liv and all her honesty. You can read Liv's blog, It's Not a Trumpet, at www.itsnotatrumpet.wordpress.com. The point of the Brass on the Mind podcast is to bring open and honest conversations about mental health and brass bands into the banding movement. So I hope you've enjoyed today's instalment. We all have mental health. We just don't always like to chat about the lows as much as the highs. But with open, honest and non-judgmental chat, we can help create a supportive and understanding environment in our brass band movement and ultimately help, encourage and retain our musicians. For more information on mental health in brass bands, head over to www.mode4.co.uk or join the Brass on the Mind Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Brass on the Mind. Together, we can start the conversations about the taboo subjects. Keep talking and sharing experiences for better mental health for all of us. I look forward to you joining me again next time. Music